So you always want to be prepared to... To set goals. To be really disruptive. Diversity is fundamental. It is just trusting those super strengths. To recover from those failures and, and learn from them. Humility looks like the softest word, but it's kind of the hardest. We ourselves are in beta mode. Life goes on. Sporting Edge, inside the mind of champions. Welcome to the Inside the Mind of Champions podcast. My name is Jeremy Snape. I'm a former England cricketer with a master's degree in sports psychology. Since retiring, I've been fortunate to work with and interview some of the world's most successful thinkers and performers. And I'm passionate about translating their habits and routines into practical strategies to help you become more successful. In each episode, I'll be dissecting a common performance challenge to help you improve your mindset, your leadership and your team performance. To me, our mindset is the next frontier. So let's find out why. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Inside the Mind of Champions. I hope that you and your family are keeping safe and well and that your business and your community are starting to see the green shoots of life after the lockdown. It's been such an unsettling and frustrating time, so nurturing our own mindset is so important. And we must also remember to keep looking out for our friends and work colleagues who might be struggling and it's not really their style to say anything. So sending that text message or making that surprise call just to catch up with them informally might seem like a small thing to do, but it could be a life-changing moment for someone who's feeling really low. So that's my challenge for us for this week, to connect with somebody that we haven't spoken to for a while, just to see how they're doing. Thanks so much for clicking play on this podcast episode today. I know you have so much choice And thanks also to The Ox1234 for leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and saying this is your favourite podcast because of the unique insights. And thank you so much for that. There's plenty more where that came from, as you'll hear from today's special guest. I remember as a kid at school, someone said, do you want to play cricket for England? I was like, I don't just want to play cricket for England, I want to win the Ashes. Calm your emotions, get your mindset in a place that you're calm and ready to deliver and, and let the business start. Everything feels quite sped up. You have no real experience behind you to be able to calm the game down, to slow the game down. Uh, and I got, I got whacked. The winning feeling based around a whole team sport is something that I feel lucky to play a team sport and I feel lucky to have played in an era where we've, we've won some things. Uh, and that, that is the reason why you play. So an amazing insight inside the mind of a true champion today who's recently achieved an amazing accolade of being only the seventh bowler of all time to reach 500 test match wickets. The cricket lovers in my network will know what an impressive feat this is with his comeback after being dropped in the first test against the West Indies. It was truly remarkable with 62 runs and 10 wickets for 67 helping his team to secure a series victory. For the non-cricket lovers, don't worry, cricket's an incredibly complicated game. And as ever, I'll be translating the insights from our expert today into inspirational lessons and practical strategies that you can use for your own life and your own career. 
There are so many insights today. Stuart is a humble and dedicated professional, and I had the privilege of being his captain at Leicestershire County Cricket Club when he joined the professional staff back in 2005, aged just 18 years of age. I remember him coming over for his first training session. He ran in and bowled flat out for two hours, great stamina, and then ran into the dressing room to stick his pads on and came out to bat. His confidence was clear, as was his love for the game, and his hunger to learn was palpable. These three characteristics would become a potent mix for Stuart, and they would fuel his success for over 16 years. You could see that he had this ambition, but it wasn't just hollow dreams. It was like he'd visualised not only becoming one of England's all-time greats, but strangely, the roadmap to get there as well. Maybe it was growing up with his dad, Chris, who was an international cricketer himself, and seeing the pain of defeat and the ecstasy of victory firsthand that made him want to do something very special. But those goals were crystal clear in his mind's eye, as he now explains. I have two versions of goal setting, I think. I mean, I've always had a bit of a belief if you look too far ahead in your career and the way you want your career to go, then you can take your mind off exactly what is going to get you there, the little improvements that get you there. But at the end of the day, you need that sort of shining light at the end to have that excitement every day, you know, that that buzz you get in your stomach, that lighting up of the heart that one day I could lift, whether it's the Ashes, the World Cup, something that might not feel that real to you at this, at this moment in time, but it actually makes the the leg press that you have to do on a Monday morning like worthwhile and you can see that there's, there, there is something there for it. So, I mean, I, I remember as a kid at school, someone said, oh, do you want to play cricket for England? I was like, I don't just want to play cricket for England, I want to win the Ashes. And actually it's quite a weird thing to say as a 14-year-old kid because if you ask most kids they would say I just want to play for England but I, I never I never saw that as a as a massive aim for me it was actually to win games for England to actually have success do things that might not have been done in my childhood you know we went through a long period of not winning the Ashes so maybe that deep down drove something within me that that has to change I have to be part of something that that's different to what it is now and so um, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've always set goals that are, are big and like end of the tunnel stuff, but I do try to, to remain quite current and what's going to make me better today that will eventually lead me on the, the steps to the ladder to the top. So you can hear that ambition bubbling away. Stuart is a bright and pragmatic performer. You can't just give him throwaway lines. He wants the tangible strategies, which are evidence-based before he really buys into them. Sports psychology is definitely growing in acceptance and impact across elite-level sport now, but this hasn't always been the case. And for someone like Stuart, who was thrust into the world's biggest stadiums and the spotlight, he wanted to find a way to strengthen his mental game because he knew how important it would be to having a successful career. I think mindset's hugely vital, probably not something that I'd have said when I was 22, 23. I mean, I think certainly throughout my career, the the mindset, the awareness of mindset's probably come in in the last four or five years. Uh, since I've started doing a bit of work on it, more work on it, I've realised how much it can affect my performance. Um, 
I know that it's quite wishy-washy, that positive thinking and all that sort of thing, but it's actually like a, a routine of thinking that I like to, to think about it like. It's, it's setting my mind up in a way to take pressure off myself, to forget that there's people watching on TV or that there's a crowd putting pressure on me. Uh, it's my mindset sort of setting my routines in a place that I could be playing on my local field for a local club team or test cricket for England the pressure's taken away from me because I'm just doing my, my routines out there. So we can hear Stuart talking about the mental game becoming more important as he's gone through the ranks. As a youngster growing up with his father, Chris, playing in that generation before people spoke about developing their mindset. And as a schoolboy at Oakham School, there wasn't really any pressure on him. He was just sporty, playing hockey and rugby. But as the crowd started to build and his profile started to build as a professional cricketer, then the media and the expectation grew and that volume of the external distractions started to rise with it. These skills go beyond sport. Our obsession with the outcome can be deafening. How much have you sold? Are we beating our rivals? Where are we in the lead table? All of these elements are critical if we're going to have a performance focus it's absolutely essential to measure our results and and set firm targets but we need only to glance at those as figures and outcomes and then we need to refocus back down on what we can do about it on the process on what we need to do to achieve those results rather than get you know distracted by the emotions and the consequences of failure For Stuart, even in front of those huge crowds live on TV with opinions flying around the globe, the loudest voice was in his head. So staying focused on his routines would be absolutely key. Champions create bulletproof psychological routines to keep them in the zone. And they practice this as much as their in-swinger or their free kicks. These key words, mannerisms, technical cues linked together to form an impenetrable barrier to the outside world. The champion's brain needs to shuttle between strategic thinking and instinctive reaction. So for the bowler, like Stuart, that's thinking about what delivery they're going to bowl next as they walk back to their mark. And then making a final decision, maybe having a cue, a word like drive through, you know, or follow through or hit the pitch hard to remind them about their front arm or their body action. And then they'll probably say something like set as they make that clear decision. And from that point on, they start their run up and switch off their thinking by concentrating on different things like the sound of their footfall or focusing on the batsman's boots. The last thing they want to be doing is overthinking their technique or their strategy as they move into that instinctive phase of the delivery. And this allows their brain to switch off from all the concerns about what the result might be, um, you know, what what the batsman might do. And they start to dial the volume up on their routines and processes to make this the very best delivery that they've ever bowled in their lives. Commentators in sport tend to say that the top stars look as if they've gone into their own world when the pressure starts to mount. Well, actually, they have. While the fans sit on the edge of their seats, biting our fingernails, the players with the winning mindset are immersing themselves deeper and deeper into this inner process, the things that are in their control that can change the game. It's easier said than done. 
And when you've got a packed stadium and all the nerves jangling, you need these cues to hold you back and give you structure and control. When Stuart first joined our first team at Leicestershire, we were about to play in the 2020 finals day, which was one of the biggest days in the sporting calendar. And we knew that he was going to be a pivotal player. So I shared a few of these strategies, which he built into his preparation routine for each game and each delivery. In sport, there's always a lot of outward um, opinions on your technical ability or actually just your stats and all that sort of thing that can drag you away from what you're doing. Um, so I so I have, a lot of people think it's superstition, but I actually disagree with that. It's just a routine strategy that helps me get in a place that I can forget about the outward pressure. Um, so I scratch my mark three times. I do three tuck jumps. <clears throat> I tie my trousers up. I bowl three balls in my mind to the batsman. And that is all about forgetting that maybe I'm not in good rhythm and Ian Botham said that I shouldn't be doing that or the crowd member said I should be getting dropped. I've just been booed by 40,000 people. Because my mindset is doing my little step-by-step -step, um, strategy, I'm very focused on just delivering the next the next delivery. And actually, interestingly, you're sort of yard away from me. When I was 18, you said to me at the end of my mark, just remember the game can't start until you're ready. And actually, as a fast bowler, the game won't move if I just stand at the end of my mark. And that it's not that I'm going to delay the game in that way, but it's actually a... Um, don't rush your routines. Make sure that you're 100% ready to start because actually the game's not going to move until you're ready to go. So calm your emotions, get your mindset in a place that you're calm and ready to deliver and, and let the business start. And he certainly knows how to do the business. And I remember in that finals day, he not only stood up to one of the big players in the opposition, Ronnie Irani, stuck his chest out and bowled really quickly and bowled brilliantly in the semi-final to take us through to the final. And then he also bowled brilliantly to get a, a key wicket. Um, I think it was Hussey that he, he got out in the middle of the innings to help us win that trophy. So that ability to stay calm and stay focused was absolutely pivotal for Stuart, not only at the beginning of his career, but to you know build out from it. And, and it's really important for us to think back. If you listen to episode two, where we spoke about handling pressure, that our brain is built for safety. So it wants us to rush that delivery. It wants you to rush the first line of your speech because it wants you to get from the stage of your public speaking opportunity back to the safety of the shadows in row three or wherever you were sitting. It wants the fast bowler to rush the game so that you get the delivery out of the way. But of course, that's absolutely the wrong thing to do. We've got this natural rhythm. We've got this tempo where our best game sits. And we need to make sure that even though our emotions are trying to contaminate that, that we try and insulate our mindset and stay pristine around these key drivers and processes that are going to deliver our best game. So champions want to be in the spotlight. They want to be on the stage, but we need these psychological routines. It's not superstition, as, as Stuart said in that insight. It's not just putting your lucky pants on and hoping you have a great day, uh, you know, or putting your left sock on before you write. These are practical psychological steps we use to refocus away from the outcome and the consequence of failure, which often goes through our mind in high stakes battles. You know, the shame of making a mistake in your speech, the shame of making a mistake on, on the pitch in a penalty or, or, you know, or a final over of cricket. 
and moving us back to those rational processes which underpin our best game, which is all that's in our control. If we deliver our best game and it's not good enough, I've never really heard anyone resent that. We might be disappointed that we've lost, but the biggest crime is losing our own head and, and getting beaten by the opposition. And you've probably heard that story that I shared where I choked in front of 120,000 people in India and I beat myself. And, and that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about digging into these psychological strategies and helping executives and sports stars and coaches to be able to let people play their best game and not get distracted by pressure. So for Stuart, those three warm-up balls, those three scratches of his mark, all gave him a sense of predictability and control in a match situation, which can often feel like an emotional washing machine on, on fast spin. So the technical game and our physical game, we can have bad days where we know the plan, we know our routine, but we don't follow it. And the pressure hijacks us into doing something emotional and something human, which is why the spectators watch it, because it's never predictable, but it's terrifying for a performer to experience. And back in 2007, Stuart and I were both picked for the England 2020 team in the World Cup squad. And we'd won the domestic trophy in 2006, but now we were playing on the big stage and playing against the big guns. And in one game in Durban, we played against India and halfway through the innings, our legendary player, Freddie Flintoff, was getting under the skin of Yuvraj Singh, the Indian swashbuckling batsman with a few barbed remarks. And this coincided with the young Stuart being given the ball to bowl the next over. And as he mentions, this uh, didn't all go to plan and Stuart was smashed for six sixes in that particular over. Yuvraj, um, you know, got hold of his first ball, hit it out of the park and his second and his third. And there was this horrible feeling of inevitability around us. The crowd smelt blood and Yuvraj lambasted all six balls out of the park, which for non-cricketing uh, people, that's like the equivalent of a home run. So total humiliation for a bowler. And I was 12th man that day. And thank God, all I could do was take him out a drink. It probably should have been a whiskey. But again, this proved to be a pivotal moment in Stuart's career. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge believer that you learn your most from your mistakes. So my training is very much based around trial and error. You know, don't mind bowling a few into the side netting if it might find me something that improves me. And um, my experience back in 2007, I think I was a 20-year-old, 20, 20 maybe actually forged my mentality to get a lot stronger, a lot tougher. And that's where my routines really... Uh, developed from because I went into the game in Durban I think it was where uh, there's a game before us a T20 game um, so it was all very rushed didn't really get time to warm up particularly uh, hadn't had time to mark my run-up out you're into the game you're playing you're bowling first everything feels quite sped up you have no real experience behind you to be able to calm the game down to slow the game down uh, and I got I got whacked and um, had a really tough experience and looking back at that spell that I've not done that much because I'm not someone that really analyzes bad days too much I can put them to bed quite quickly but I do remember feeling uh, almost on a travelator like everything was coming quite quickly I didn't have time to stop and analyze my field calm down I remember having to mark my run-up out before I bowled that over which I look back probably the only time I've ever done that in my international career 
Um, I didn't take a break to have a chat to the captain or mid-on. Everything just sped through at the speed of light and it was done within sort of two minutes. Uh, but after that game, I said, right, let's, let's try and get something from that experience. What, why did I feel rushed? Why did I not break up? Why did I not try a different delivery? And actually from that point, that's where my routines of the three scratches came in, the three jumps, making sure that everything around me is set in a, in a particular way. I bowl three balls to, to mid on. Um, and then I bowl three balls in my mind to make sure that I'm completely switched on. And my routines that have developed over the past 10, 15, 10 12 years all came from that really bad, tough experience um, that has helped me really go from strength to strength, not just technically as a bowler, but actually that steely mindset of uh, this game isn't going to start till I'm ready. This game isn't going to start until my heart rate's calmed down, till I've seen the ball I'm going to bowl first, till I can stamp my authority on this game. Uh, it, yes, it was a shame I had to learn that at the top level, um, but that's part of being a young sportsman who, who gets pushed through the system relatively quickly. But on the positive side of that, it made me learn pretty much instantly that at the top level, you have to be switched on every single time. You have to be competitive every single time. Uh, and you have to stick to things that get you in the right frame of mind and the right physical state. And, and I learned that at a great age because it allowed me to, to go from strength to strength rather than doing it at, at a later age and might have stopped my career still, really. So this is a terrible incident, a shameful incident for a bowler to be hit for six sixes. But listen to how calm Stuart sort of reflects on it. And this would quite simply have ended most players' careers. Most wouldn't have come back from it. But after a few quiet days of reflection and with his tail between his legs, Stuart took the lessons from it and he'd let the opposition, the atmosphere and his emotions control him. And he'd been hijacked away from that rational game plan he needed to succeed. So this ability to dust himself down after a humiliating setback and bounce back quickly with increased focus and resolve is a truly remarkable character trait. And it's the hallmark of the winning mindset. Now, many of you might be thinking, how can I get that into my career? Well, myself and the team at Sporting Edge have developed an amazing 30-day program which allows you to translate these kind of mental skills around confidence, focus, performing under pressure and resilience into your own careers and your own lives. We've had about 500 delegates on our 30-day program so far. And here's how you can join our next cohort, which starts in a few weeks' time. Performing like a pro starts by thinking like one. The Winning Mindset is a pioneering digital coaching program from Sporting Edge. You'll have access to world-class thinkers and performers who'll inspire you with daily five-minute micro-lessons to boost your confidence, resilience and well-being. You'll learn from Olympians, neuroscientists, productivity and well-being experts with bite-sized strategies to help you raise your game. The Winning Mindset. Find out more at www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com. So learning is a key competitive advantage for champions, as we just heard from Stuart. It allows us to adapt and reshape our skills. 
I think most people think sports stars have a talent and they stay at the top of their game for so many years by just holding on to those natural gifts and assets. But the opposition are hunting you down, hunting down your weaknesses and, and exploiting them. They're limiting you playing to your strengths. So you constantly need to adapt. And for Stuart, that's been another key attribute that's kept him at the top of his game for over 15 years. I think at the top level, you have to constantly try and change and improve. Uh, if I'm honest, I think, especially now with the amount of data available, video analysis, uh, opposition can study exactly what your plans are, how you get your wickets, all that sort of thing. So if you don't always try and, and move your game forward, continuously improve it, it's what we call it in the England change room, you, you literally will stand still. I mean, uh, some stats came to my attention cricket-wise two years ago that my average to right-handers compared to left-handers was a lot less, so I needed to get left-handers out more. Australia were coming over with seven, eight left-handers. Wow, that is, that is a stark you've got four months to improve to left-handers. So I pretty much worked for four months based around that, based around having more success to left-handers. And since then, my average is basically halved. So that sort of improvement that came through stats sort of right in front of me, these are, you can't get away from them, but almost sort of moved my career on another level as a 28-year-old to to step up and, and improve. So there's always those sort of things coming at you from different areas. You have to be quite selective in how you want to improve. There's always something to improve on. There's always something to work on, uh, whether it's mindset, physical, skill-based. Um, and cricket's a great example of that because you need all three of those to, to be able to continue to improve at the top level. So the top champions are never satisfied. New challenges keep presenting themselves. And as you grow and earn more respect from you know, the, the career that you're having, there's no complacency. You're always looking for that next step. And for Stuart, that was to take on a leadership role in the England T20 captaincy. And in this next insight, he shares how that transition from being a teammate to being the captain of his mates wasn't quite as straightforward as we might think. Yeah, it was, uh, it was quite an interesting dynamic. I think I was 24 when I got made captain of the T20 side and uh, captained a few one-day series um, when uh, Alistair Cook was, was missing. And um, I thoroughly enjoyed the, the on-field side of captaincy. I loved the, the way that you had to think quickly about making decisions that can change the influence of games. I think the more complicated side of captaincy is the man management, the the handling of emotions of players, the the basic things of telling a player who might be a mate that you're leaving them out of the team, um, the the managing the managing of meetings that maybe the coach wants more meetings than the players would prefer. All those sort of little details that come into the side of management, I found a lot harder to deal with um, at that younger age than probably I would do now, um, but. Yeah, I, I think you have to carry on being yourself. I think it's very obvious within your teammates or your peers if you try and change, and then it looks a little bit hollow. I think the best captains I've played under are um, people who speak when they need to speak, not always having to voice opinions and, and drive things forward, because generally you have senior players that will help lead things as well. Um, and I'm a big believer that if you have something to say 
um, say it quite sporadically and, and not talk all the time. Because actually, if, you, if your voice is heard every day for every minute of the day, it all just becomes wishy-washy. You know, I think I, I tried to... I was lucky that I wasn't sort of day-to-day. -day. 2020 captain's quite sporadic anyway. But I was lucky that I, I didn't try and... I didn't try and be someone I'm not. I didn't try and uh, lead in a way that someone like Graham Smith would have done very, very motivational, very uh, one voice. Um, I, I tried to speak quite rarely. So if I did, people would, would hopefully listen. And again, we can hear there's no wishy-washy business with Stuart, just honest, authentic conversations. And if you're in a sales team or a project team and you're the top performer, you might find yourself suddenly thrust into that lead role, but you don't need to change too much. Often we overthink this and think we've got to morph into Winston Churchill or Steve Jobs overnight. But actually what Stuart's teaching us here is that this calm, methodical approach of being yourself, uh, maybe a slight tweak, but it's still 80% Stuart and 20% sort of slightly more reserved and thinking when to speak is really important so you can be yourself but speak for impact don't speak just for the sake of it and I think often that inner confidence of knowing that you don't have to change yourself to satisfy other people is what really shines through and builds that respect and authenticity and trust that's going to be so valuable in any captaincy or leadership role in business. I hope you're enjoying today's show. I just wanted to take a moment to introduce you to Sporting Edge's Members Club. It's an amazing opportunity to join our network of high performers from around the world. Over the last decade, we've created this pioneering library of video insights and performance strategies from the world's best thinkers and performers. But we've never really had a solution that gives you direct access to this whenever you need it. So when you become a member, you'll be able to access this incredible toolkit to boost your mindset and career on demand on any device. You'll hear from neuroscientists helping you to understand how your brain works. You'll be able to watch Olympians giving you inspirational stories and strategies to boost your resilience and rekindle your motivation. And you'll also hear from communication gurus as well as experts in business strategy and the future of the workplace. We'll introduce you to new experts every month and invite you to join exclusive online mastermind sessions with world-class coaches and performance experts. So here's how you can find out more. During times of uncertainty and pressure, your mindset will be the key to your success. Sporting Edge members have unlimited personal access to hundreds of video insights and performance strategies to accelerate their personal and professional success. This is your chance to get powerful weekly micro-lessons from the world's best thinkers and performers from elite sport. You'll be able to connect with a global network of entrepreneurs, coaches and senior executives on webinars, discussion forums and events. Become a Sporting Edge member and get access to the world's best coaches on demand. For more information, visit www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com. So if you're a coach, entrepreneur or executive looking for strategies to navigate the future with confidence, come and learn more about Sporting Edge Members Club at sportingedge.com forward slash membership. I look forward to welcoming you to our high performance network. 
So despite being one of the best players in the world, Stuart has retained this humility that you can hear when he talks about that need to continually improve his fitness, his skill set and his mindset. But he's also showing it in this next insight when he talks about his interest in the history of the game and his teams that he's played in, but also his responsibility as as a role model is clear from the way he goes about explaining this next insight. I mean, I, I'm lucky that I've played for a long period of time for Nottinghamshire and for England that have have always had a lot of history behind them. And um, I think the club particularly and the country, they, they look back at the history and connect you with past players and past achievements of of the of the club and obviously England that that raises your awareness of who you're playing for and what you're playing for, um, which I think obviously le- adds a lot of passion to the reasons why you play, but also gives you a great bond with supporters of the club, uh, the fans that come and see you every day. It makes you feel really, really part of everything. Um, but interesting you say about franchises around the world, there's probably not that history behind the franchises. You know, they might be two, three years old. So the, I think the connectivity within sport is the players and the fans and actually I was lucky in at the Hobart Hurricanes where we'd, we'd go and play cricket in the park on a Sunday and a Tuesday and whatever and the whole park would be full with kids playing in Hobart Hurricanes shirts and that gives you a great connectivity to the reason why you're playing you know yes you're trying to win trophies and win games but actually if you can hit a six or take a catch that inspires a a kid to want to go and do the same in years to come that's that is part of the reason why you play and I think newer franchises have that way of connecting with uh, with fans and players to really grow the game in that way Um, but my experience of Nottinghamshire and and England is my aura of playing for them has been grown from probably past players and the history and the reason of of uh, and what you're playing for. So players who think more about the badge that they represent on the front of their shirts than the name on the back are priceless in teams. Not only do they play a selfless role in doing what the team needs, they act as a moral custodian of everything the club stands for, which reaches far beyond the game. I think the way Stuart has conducted himself through the highs and lows of his career have been truly exemplary for young players to watch. And of course, his passion bubbles over a few times here and there, but he's a fast bowler and we take that as part of the deal. It's probably a good time to talk about his work outside of cricket. And for those who don't know Stuart, his stepmom, Mish, died of motor neuron disease back in 2010. And Stuart, his dad, Chris, and his sister, Gemma, set up their charity, The Broad Appeal, to grow awareness and funds to find a cure. We've seen this shockingly debilitating disease affect two British rugby legends recently, Rob Burrow and Doddy Weir. And if you'd like to support Stuart's charity to help them find a cure, then you can visit thebroadappeal.org to get involved. So Stuart has had a long-term project there that will span way beyond his career and will hopefully support thousands and thousands of people if a cure is found for motor neuron disease. His recent achievements of passing 500 test wickets is truly incredible. 
and he seems so fit and focused that he could go on and even reach 600. So for our final insight, I was really fascinated to try and understand what motivates him to keep playing and putting in all the hard work behind the scenes that it takes to stay at the top of the world rankings. Competitive spirit and that winning feeling. Um, the competitive spirit is the reason I play. I love that feeling of being in a battle, working out my, working out my opposition, that fire in the belly you get when you when you get the emotions going. You know when the sledging starts you, and you stand up and you can hear it all, and you you're looking at who you're going to target to go at, and it, that that fear of that that feel of uh, adrenaline, excitement, nervousness, everything that goes on in your body when sports flying at you is something that I love and I'll have to try and recreate once I finish my playing career because it's a feeling that um, you can become quite addicted to and you and you want to feel as often as possible and those moments of winning games with your teammates um, from ball one I've always poured a little bit of champagne on my test cap every series win because it's growing memories into that test cap of uh, sitting in the changing room with your teammates, having worked very hard for a particular series or moment and having that winning feeling and sharing, you're seeing your teammates smile that they've got a hundred or someone's got a five for and you see how proud their families are and everything. I think the the winning feeling based around a whole team sport is something that I feel lucky to play a team sport and I feel lucky to have played in an era where we've we've won some things. Uh, and that that is the reason why you play and that that is the reason why you play i love that story of pouring a splash of champagne onto his cap to mark the celebration along with the sweat the blood and the tears it takes so much character and skill to make it through to the top of any industry and i hope that's made you reflect on some of the setbacks you've had and how they've you've gone on to develop those as key strengths like Stuart's story of the battle with Yuvraj Singh. That was such a low point, but it actually gave him a great signpost to some of the skills he needed to then build those into his mindset to help him develop a stronger character and more resilience in the face of adversity and pressure in those peak moments. Maybe you're starting to think about a new leadership role and you're wondering whether you can just be yourself. And Stuart's definitely told us that that authenticity is going to be key. And I think for leaders at the moment, we do a lot of development work with leaders. There's so much uncertainty and, and much of the future is unknowable. So to pretend that you know it all is completely wrong. And that ability to be yourself, to ask great questions, to let other people speak and let other people solve the team's problems alongside you is definitely the new phase of leadership and and we shouldn't try and be something that we're not because first of all it's going to be exhausting and secondly people are going to see through it and maybe you're thinking about how you can celebrate your career successes because one thing's for sure we all need those positive memories and stories so that we can leverage those and reconnect with those and use them to navigate these current challenges I think there's so much bad news around at the moment and so many redundancies and businesses closing down that we really need to bunker down and get back to those basic things that we've done brilliantly that we're really proud of. Maybe you could jot a few of those stories down for yourself. But 
you know, I really hope you've you've found this podcast useful. I think one key thing that I reflect on when I listen back to Stuart's clips is meeting him as a, an 18-year-old boy, you know, tall, gangly, keen, fast bowler and, and listening to how much he loved cricket and how passionate and enthusiastic he was and, and even listening to him now after so much success and, you know, so many accolades that he hasn't changed one bit. You know, you send him a text message and he replies his generosity in sitting down for an hour in his kitchen. You could probably hear his next door neighbour cutting the, the lawn at some point or the hedge. But, you know, his generosity and allowing that time and sharing these stories of his highs and lows, I'm incredibly grateful for. So I really hope that you found today's session uh, useful. I'd love you to share it across your social platforms. So I'll be starting a debate on LinkedIn. I actually shared that video of him talking about the champagne in his cap. So if you want to go to my LinkedIn feed and, and connect there, then you'll be able to see that that video a couple of minutes long rather than just the audio. Please do take a look at the Winning Mindset program. I'm not going to be a pushy salesman, but I know how transformational it's been for our clients. So I'd love to show you how these digital coaching programs give you access to all the video content. It gives you access to all the workbooks and strategies and models that we use to develop the winning mindset across our client network. You can also learn from over 100 world-class experts that we've interviewed from neuroscience, sport and and business as well. So go to sportingedge.com and you'll find those there. And if you have any questions, please do send them through, whether it's about this particular episode or questions or ideas for future episodes, then you can get in contact with me at hello at sportingedge.com. I'm making good progress with the new members club that we're going to launch in the next few months. So I'll share more information with you on those because if you like this audio version, then you're going to love the real thing when it's uh, released out. So until next time, keep setting those inspirational goals. And when you achieve those mini successes and those mini wins, I want to see champagne sprayed all over your COVID mask. So thanks for listening and good luck. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Mind of Champions. Connect with Jeremy's LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram links in today's show notes to receive the latest insights from his work. If you'd like to get access to Sporting Edge's digital library or book Jeremy for a conference speech or webinar, then please visit www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com.